Hello and welcome to Vaps Gamer Radio Playlist Show and our continuing Halloween celebrations at LGR Towers. I'm your host, Andy Podietsky, and I've been so kindly rescued by my fellow LGR companions from the hell town of Silent Hill, but have kindly dropped me into a rural Spanish village fighting off the cultists of Los Elmandos, or the Enlightened Ones. My so-called rescuers are Mark. What are you buying? Stuart. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And Adam. <laughs> Hi. And we are in the world of Resident Evil 4. Okay, Resident Evil 4, also known as Biohazard 4, in Japan was a survival horror video game developed and published by Capcom. And probably what I would call the hump game of the Resident Evil series, because this changed everything. It was originally released for the GameCube in North America and Japan in January 2005 and came out in Europe and Australia in March 2005. And since then, I think it's just been about releasing every single format known to man. Looking at it, GameCube, the PlayStation 2, PC, the Wii, the Zebo, iOS, PlayStation 3, 360, Android and most recently on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox one. Um, it was under development for a number of years. It started first came hinted in December 1999, and it was first initially developed for PlayStation 2. However, it was then decided to be made um, an exclusive for the GameCube as part of the Capcom 5. And however, before it was even released for the um, GameCube, a PlayStation 2 version was announced. Um, you had something to think to say about the Capcom 5, Stu. I've not really heard about the Capcom 5. Um, well, from what I've only actually heard about it recently, um, despite being a sort of a GameCube owner back in the day, um, I wasn't really reading an awful lot of the magazines and what have you at the time, so this kind of passed me by. But originally the Capcom 5 were Resident Evil 4, PN03, um, a Beautiful Joe, and uh, was what two others? Um, one of them was cancelled, and um, the then so in the end, PN03 actually turned out to be the only exclusive GameCube um, game out of those five. Um, with one of them cancelled, and the other two at least making their way to the PlayStation Two. Um, apart from apart from Resident Evil Four, which has then become ubiquitous. The other two were Dead Phoenix and Killer7. Oh. Uh, yeah, Killer7 was PS2 and then yeah, um, the other one was cancelled um, before it was even released. It seemed a strange decision by Capcom really, you know, when you think about the Resident Evil series was synonymous with the PlayStation 1, wasn't it? 1, 2 and 3 were absolutely mm. massive games and then to make Resident Evil 4 a GameCube exclusive, I mean, when you look at the sales of a PS2, I mean, we look at hindsight it was 150 million compared to about 22 for the GameCube. I can only assume Nintendo gave them some money or something because yeah. this was on the back of the N64 that had like next to no third mm. party support because um, I remember them bigging it up at release actually um, that they had this Capcom 5 and I guess Resident Evil 2 had just come out on the N64 at the back end yeah. of that so they kind of pushed for it and there was the Resident Evil uh, the remake on the GameCube as well, so they were kind of going hard in on the GameCube for some reason. Yeah, I mean, when I get to my personal histories, it was one of the reasons why I got the GameCube. Mm. 
Um, Resident Evil 4 garnered critical acclaim and has received many Game of the Year awards in 2005. It was a successful evolution of a survival horror and third-person shooter genres and was it pioneered and popularised the over-the-shoulder third-person view, most commonly seen probably in Gears of War, really now, and is widely considered to be one of the best video games of all time. And we have a crew are going to decide whether it still deserves to be called one of the best games of all time. So, let's see the histories of the game. So we'll start off with Mac. What was your history with the game? Um, so, when the first Resident Evil came out, uh, I was 11. Um, so, I couldn't actually buy it myself and my parents weren't willing to buy it for me because of the age restriction on it. Um, so I didn't play the first Resident Evil until a little bit later. Uh, played the shit out of Resident Evil 2 and um, Resident Evil uh, Nemesis, uh, the third one. Um, and then picked up when when Resident Evil uh, 4 came out. Um, my GameCube was uh, I didn't really have a, a gaming piece or anything like that, and um, it came out the same year as the Xbox 360 launched, but I was a poor student so I couldn't afford a next-gen console, so my GameCube and my PS2 were my main gaming consoles for a number of years, um, so I picked that up on the, the GameCube at the, the first opportunity that I had because I'd enjoyed Resident Evil 2 and, and uh, Nemesis so much um, and it was kind of a revelation because it didn't play like either of the uh, the, the, the previous ones that I'd played, um, in most respects, uh, you, the, the 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 switch to the over the shoulder um, uh, shooting, like the, the over the shoulder gameplay, was something that I hadn't really seen. Um, I mean, it, apart from things like Max Payne, which were like you know decent third person shooters, uh, mm. I hadn't seen anything like like this before, uh, and absolutely loved it. Played it multiple times on GameCube, and then ended up buying it again on PS2. And was a little bit disappointed by the PS2 version, and then played it again on GameCube. But I haven't actually played it since about 2006, 2007. So it's been about a decade since I last played it, but it's <laughs> burned into my memory. So it's one of those sort of like gaming touchstones for me. It's like it's it's one of the games that I will fondly remember for the rest of my life. Okay, Stuart, what about yourself? I only really came to Resident Evil 4 recently though because we were going to play it as a playlist um, game so I actually got a copy of it um, for the GameCube um, via Kev um, of the show um, he <laughs> weirdly come across um, the fact that he'd had two US import versions of it so he sent kind of very kindly sent me one of them and uh, so I had a quick go on that although I have had um, had it on the PC for a good wee while now which is the HD remastered edition um, but this has been the very first time that I've played it. I do have a funny story about it though, because back in the day whenever it was released um, on the PlayStation 2 game, um, which are like a, the sort of lo- a local um, game suppliers within uh, the UK, um, had a policy at the time where you could trade in or return a game within the week and get a full refund. So at the time my brother bought it and rinsed it within um, two or three days and returned it for a full refund. Uh, so I never actually, I saw him playing it a couple of times, but otherwise I didn't have much experience of it at, the, at that stage. But uh, that's that was a very odd policy. And uh, 
I'm not linking the current financial status of game with <laughs> that <laughs> that strategy at the time, but it certainly, I'm sure, had a large impact on them um, with people returning them. Oh, brilliant. What about you, Adam? Um, so, a weird checkered one. So I played, I'd never played one back in the day originally, but I had the PC ports of two and three. Never finished them because the keyboard controls didn't get along with me. And then I guess <clears throat> I had a GameCube and got the remake or the, of the first one. Oddly, I skipped four on the GameCube for some reason, but ended up playing the Wii version. Um... <laughs> Which I think is a good version. I don't. I to this day I cannot work out why I didn't buy it on the GameCube because the GameCube was. I did have an Xbox as well back then, but most of my games were on a GameCube. Um, but I didn't get it then, and then I played it on the Wii all the way through, and then most recently uh, replayed it on the Xbox One, the HD version of it, which is also a good port of it. Okay, so is that any different? Is it? I mean, I've heard some things. Not content-wise. Yeah. Um, just graphically, they've given everything a bit of a polish, I guess. Um, still looks like it's not one of those where it's like a full remaster. Mm. It's one of those where you can tell it's an old game that they've put into HD. Like Even the wife looked at it and said, oh, you can tell this is mm. old. <laughs> it doesn't look new. So like even she could tell it's not all that. So, yeah. Um, but still a nice enough port. Like The textures and stuff obviously look a bit better yeah. and stuff, but it still has all the same animations and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised to learn it's like eleven years. It came mm, out, yeah. and then it's going on twelve. It's um, it's a, it's a long time. Um, my history with it, um, I loved the first trilogy um, on the PlayStation One. I played through those, and then I I got myself a PlayStation Two and learned to shock that the Resident Evil Four was going to be on the GameCube as an exclusive. So that made me really buy um, a GameCube. So I played it through once on the GameCube. But alongside that was those, like I say, the Resident Evil HD or GameCube remaster. There was Resident Evil Zero, I think. Oh yeah. That was, that was on GameCube. That was on GameCube, and GameCube seemed to be a real Resident Evil um, hot pit in terms of it was attracting all all these games. So played it through on the GameCube. And then, because I had a PS2, I also got it through on the, on the PS2 and played through it then. Did any of you remember the Chainsaw Controller? No. Oh, God, yeah, yeah I remember the limited it. edition, yes. No, I can't remember, was it on the GameCube or was it was it the PS2 one? Um, I think there was a GameCube version of it. Yeah. I'm not sure if there was then one on the PlayStation 2 as well. Mm. Um, I know Kev also has the limited edition Silver Resident Evil 4 uh, GameCube. Uh, <laughs> I actually saw recently uh, one recently in um, a local CEX as well. So that. All oh, right. I don't know, you ask for anything. Kev's got it, hasn't he? <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> Pretty much. So brilliant. So story. Essentially, at the start of it, um, we join Leon S. Kennedy f- um, from Resident Evil Two, and we are in a car. Um, it's six years after the events of Resident Evil 2 and he's in a car and he's a, he now works for the president and he's on a mission to rescue the president's daughter, Ashley Graham who's been kidnapped by a mysterious cult you think, I mean that you are somewhere in rural Mexico or somewhere in Eastern Europe, in actual fact you are in Spain 
But um, <laughs> he's traveling to a nearest rural village um, and he encounters a group of hostile villagers who pledge their lives to something called Los Ilamandos, or the Enlightened Ones, and this is the cult that somehow have managed to kidnap Ashley. So, the opening level, um, as when the cutscene ends, you get out of the car, um, you straight away take control, and it sort of just takes a little bit of getting used to, doesn't it, with the view. I remember playing it first time, it was like, ooh. It's quite strange because Leon himself takes up quite a large portion of the screen, in particular the left-hand portion. Um, the opening level is a village. Um, and how I found it was it felt really open. You know? Mm. Yeah. It, when you look at the map, it seems quite linear and quite narrow. But you were able to go into all these buildings, you were able to um, hit all the boxes, you were able to explore. So it, it did feel almost like, well, this is, you can tell already that this is something quite new, quite different. I don't know how you found it. Kind of the same. Like, um, it worked, I guess, because a lot of it's abandoned, like in the opening areas, like an abandoned village. Mm. So. They kind of don't have to populate the area. It can kind of look a bit dreary and stuff, repetitive. Um, but it works for this purpose. And then, yeah, it kind of... The game is relatively linear, but it's a, definitely... There's a lot of areas similar to this as you go through that kind of give that illusion of choice. And when really the choice only amounts to getting a bit more ammo mm. and stuff, it's still interesting to give you that choice. And it can work into like giving you different strategies, how you approach stuff, what order you go through the buildings, how you run into the enemies and stuff. So it's like an impressive opening, mm. much more so than like the first Resident Evil where you just run into the mansion <laughs> and there's only like it's one closed space kind of, and there's yeah. only like one door you can go through. Um, it's definitely a different feel, um, more impressive at the time. Yeah, it's it's very clever in the way that it sort of funnels you all the way through the game in a particular direction, but gives you the the illusion that there is. You're not being pushed in a particular direction because you've got quite a lot of reasonably wide open areas to explore. Um, but or so, so it doesn't feel like you're just walking down an endless corridor like uh, certain yeah, other titles. It never feels linear in the traditional yeah. sense of the word mm-hmm. linear, even mm. though it obviously is. Yeah, right. How about you, Stu? How do you find it? Yeah, no, um, I thought these, the sort of the opening um, section as you're sort of going down the country trail, although the sort of the premise for it is a little odd. Um, obviously, an awful lot has happened to Leon within the six years uh, since Resident Evil 2, and the fact that basically on his first day in the force was the whole zombie outbreak, and then suddenly <laughs> six years later he's been phoned up and flown in to try and save the president's daughter. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit contrived almost. Um, but the actual setting and what have you and sort of going down the country lanes and what have you uh, as you say it it looks linear looking at the map and what have you but those opening sections just before you get to the village actually allow you to get used to the controls and what have you mm. and um, you know sort of even taking out a couple of the villagers on the way and getting used to the mm. explosives tied to the trees and things um, I think I got hit with the first explosive tied to the tree just because <laughs> it was on the GameCube and I actually couldn't see it Um but it was a lot more obvious then on the PC, and the satisfaction of actually getting some of the villagers to walk towards you, uh, to blow themselves up um, on those is uh, quite satisfying. Mm. And uh, one of the first things to mention, sort of in and around that section, then, is the wolf or dog that you come across. Yeah. That's 
um, yeah. caught up in the bear trap. Um, having now played it, I realise what actually happens when if you release the uh, the wolf. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, does it not show up later if you don't, or is that something different, or has anybody not um, rescued the wolf? I've rescued the wolf always. Rescued, yeah. I've always rescued <laughs> him too. To be honest, so I can't yeah, answer that. No idea if it changes. Hmm. Suppose it does change, as it does say it does say that it won't help you later on. But I've always rescued it, so I've never <laughs> seen personally myself any differently. But it's an interesting. It's an interesting choice straight away, isn't it? It's just it's just it something that's yeah. quite small, and it's not. I don't. It does help you a bit, but it's not a major choice f- for the game itself. No, no, really it, no, it doesn't have gameplay. a it doesn't have a huge impact. And well, we'll get on to no. that bit of it later anyway. And uh, yeah, and then just just the opening up into the village and just sort of seeing the carnage and everything um, that happens at the end of that is uh, is quite impressive and uh, fraught, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um, particularly then as the the soundtrack changes and everything as well and. Just the sort of incessant um, part of the music there, um, whenever you get into the village and the villagers actually notice you, it became very reminiscent of watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, just the sort of the drone of the music in the the background that's playing, it's just very unsettling, mm. um, particularly yeah. as you're being attacked all the time uh, as well. Yeah, it's quite oppressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean. We- Straight away, that level is such a um, almost like great opening level because you get you fit like say you face with all the new controls, you face with a new viewpoint. You um, the weapon, your handgun's now got a laser pointer, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. So which is slightly different from the other games. It makes it more well. When I tried to play it the other week, I found it really difficult to pinpoint, especially the. Um, in this opening level, there's like 10 little discs, blue discs yeah. you have to hit. I found it, I remember finding it difficult when I first played it. Like it was really, really difficult just to <laughs> get it exactly where you wanted it. It was alright for the big um, big enemies and all that and the villagers, mm. but when you try to little things like get another little, little blue disc, it was really, really difficult mm. just to judge where that little pointer ended. Yeah, for somebody who was handpicked by the president to save his daughter, <laughs> Leon does not have a very steady hand. No. <laughs> no. Um, I was going to say, that's somewhere where the Wii U version definitely shines, because the aiming on that feels um, more true, because you have a little target on the screen that you can see. So it certainly makes right. like, popping off headshots a lot easier. Mm. Is it the same on the new versions of Xbox One? No, you back down to the laser mm. sight, unfortunately, mm. on the Xbox version, which is a bit of an odd decision. But it was quite revolutionary, though, for the for the mm. time, and especially for the series, because when aiming guns on the, on the first three was sort of like you're only ever aiming yeah. on like a two D on on, uh, on a single level. You just sort of point in a direction on a flat plane. Um, and then yeah. the character would maybe slightly auto adjust depending on how tall or short the the enemy was. This is the first time we had to you had to actually manually aim the gun at particular points, particular body parts on the enemies. Um, that becomes a lot more important with a particular enemy later on in the game as well. Yeah. Um, also introduced to the melee, you know, which was quite um, fast, wasn't it? It was the kick mm. mm-hmm. or the. Um, I mean, you actually got a bit um, surrounded and mobbed by 
the cultists, you could do this fast kick. I mean, the speed of it um, was really good. So all of a sudden, you know, you see that step up in the generation and the GameCube version, I remember, mm. was, a, was, a, was a better version than the PS2. Yeah. It, was a, it was a more powerful console. Mm. But the speed of it, when so first again, the speed of it, you choose to use new techniques. So you, if you got mobbed all of a sudden, yep, drop kick, or you or use your knife, which I thought was always quite slow. Mm. Yeah, I think they might have put that in as a concession to the fact that the aiming itself was um, still quite... I mean, uh, uh, third-person shooting was was already about in games, like uh, Max Payne had already been out for mm. a few years when this came out, but that was a PC game where you got keyboard and mouse, um, and aiming with the mouse is a whole lot easier than aiming with, this, with um, analog sticks. And because this was quite early in that sort of game um, at least for a third person shooter uh, I think they made a concession to the fact that aiming was a little bit awkward by giving you that very fast and very effective melee to be able to just create some distance between yourself and the enemies mm. yeah it was, it was good it was useful um, some of the enemies we'll talk about the enemies um Vast difference, wasn't it? All of a sudden, you were used to fighting zombies. Both, I think, Zero came out, mm -hmm. um, one, two, and three, and all of a sudden, you you're fighting absolutely what, what looks like normal men, and they come at you at speed. They, I was like the they throw their axes at you, and you were able to um, hit them. Yeah, mm -hmm. out, out of the when we were flying at you, so you hit them out in midair. But and as soon as I saw, saw you, they'd shout. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, in Spanish. It was quite deceptive in the way they did it as well, because they'd, like they'd march towards you quite slowly mm. as a group, and then when the ones at the front of the group would get close to you, then they'd suddenly lunge or start throwing weapons. Yeah. And mm. yeah, yeah, so if you let them get a bit too close, it got really hairy really quickly. Yep. Yeah. Which is something you can easily happen in that first oh God, area yeah. too, because there's a few bits where you yeah. can kind of get backed in mm. if you're not careful. You think it's just one old lady with a trowel, and next thing you know, there's like six of them around <laughs> yeah. you. Um, so yeah, you make good use of that mechanic, I guess, even if you kind of hate it. Yeah, in those early areas where you're just fighting against the villagers, I, I do remember spending quite a lot of time just sort of walking backwards, uh, trying to kite them, pick a few off, back off a little bit more, pick a few off, just to try and keep them at a distance, and also trying to make sure that you weren't getting flanks from the side, because... Mm -hmm. They would come out of, of alleyways and out of buildings um, mm. off to the side where you didn't realise they were going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it made it more realistic, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, um, yeah. I, I thought it was really well done. And the whole level as such is a great introduction. I mean, one of the enemies was um, the chainsaw guy. Mm. Yep. Oh. As soon as he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that noise still fills me with dread. <laughs> like you said, Stu, that I mean that Texas Chainsaw vibe was even enhanced with that guy. We could hear him coming along. Oh yeah, uh, and the fact that he runs at you as well. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he clacks his eyes yep. on you, yeah, he's after you. Does anybody know if what the reaction to this game was in Spain? Because, um, <laughs> uh, because like the, you know, the, the first few village areas, uh, it's like sort of almost like 
almost medieval. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of shitting mm. on rural Spanish. Yeah, and it's like when this game was set, like they they had electricity, <laughs> and they weren't all like you know rural country bumpkins. Uh, I know they've all been infected by Las Plagas, but they still seem like they're like pre-industrial revolution sort of civilization, and that's definitely yeah, not what Spain's like. <laughs> no. I'm back sort of for us, but I mean, it creates a confusion, so I didn't know whether I was in Spain, like the guy said, mm. or I was in Mexico, because the two cops look like the Mexican. You mm. know, like the the type of hats what we're wearing, or was it somewhere in Eastern Europe? I was like, well, I have no yeah. idea where I am at this moment in time. It's only until later I, I had to read, it was like, oh, I'm in Spain, actually. Mm. Do you get the feeling that Shinji Mikami had never been to Spain? <laughs> 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 Probably. Mm. <laughs> um, one of the things you do notice also in this opening level, because the level's quite long, the opening level does take you through various bits of the village, is the QT introduction of Q QTEs. Mm. Mm. Uh, and one in particular was the boulder. Yeah, the Indiana Jones boulder. The Indiana Jones boulder. Yeah. Where if you um, failed it, you were dead. And if you didn't save it, mm, tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I suppose we haven't talked about that, though, how it's still, for all it's modern, it's still kept the old mm. archaic save method, yeah, yeah. Which could kind of screw over because of the bigger areas. You might not necessarily find all the typewriters because mm. some of them were sometimes yeah. tucked away. And even if you found the typewriters, you still needed the ink to be able to save as well. Mm. Did you need the ink uh, That's how I remember it. I could be wrong. No, don't think so. Definitely, Definitely, no, okay. definitely don't in the mm. HD. Oh, maybe they're making sessions then. See, it's, it's, been, it's been a while since I've played it, so I might get a couple <laughs> of things confused. Have hmm. I changed the save in, in the new ones, or is it just you have to say, is it like the old ones? Or like the original versions? Um, I've had a little go at Resident Evil Revelations, and I think it is... I think there are save points. Hmm. Mm. Um, still about. Um, I'm not sure if it's specifically. I can't remember if it's specifically a typewriter, but I don't think I needed ink cartridges, or did I? Mm. I yeah. can't remember now. Not in Revelations, and not in five or six. But I'm talking about maybe maybe four. The new version. Have they changed it? Is it still? Do you still need typewriters? Adam? So you still go to typewriters? Blimey. Yeah, I don't think they've made any like material changes to how that game plays. It's just graphical changes mm. uh, in the various. It does have checkpoints. I'm not sure if they tweaked any oh, of those. I don't those. remember checkpoints um, being a thing. No. There's just a few, like, when you see a cutscene, there would be a checkpoint, for example. Uh, when some of the kind of boss things we get oh, on yeah. later. I was just going to say, even, um, I think, yeah. at the boulder, um, I think it does put you to not long before the boulder, mm -hmm. as opposed to right back mm. into the village. Yeah, it sort of does. I mean, one of the things I've tried to do... I thought I was going to be able to play through it quite quickly so I played through the village, got to the boulder bit but I was playing it on the PS2 and I was using the action replay because um, I've got one of those so I was at infinite health and infinite games. I was just wanting to play through the storyline mm. and one of the things um, the boulder does is kill you and then you're like ah, you are still alive technically because <laughs> the boulder hasn't killed you you're just live there on the screen and I was just like ah oh bollocks so I was like I'm not I'm not playing it up to that point again so I didn't save it so I was like Argh. but I will have to go back to it 
One of the things I do remember from the sort of early stages of the game was the dick move that the game pulls that nearly made me shit my pants. Um, <laughs> where it sort of trains you that headshots are what will bring down an enemy quicker than mm. shooting them elsewhere, and it makes sense. So you go mm. around trying to get headshots on all these enemies, and then after a while, uh, if you headshot yeah. an enemy, then their head just explodes and a sea of tentacles comes out the top of the neck. And the first time that <laughs> happened, like, oh my god. Yeah, I nearly shit my pants. And then they... And then they build on that later on as well with the ones that kind of detach from the yeah. bodies and chase you like spiders. Oh my god! Legs. So you back because you like naturally you back away from those tentacles because they can swing mm. pretty far. So then they start with the ones mm. where they just jump off and chase after you and jump on you and the mash buttons mm. to get them off. So yeah, <laughs> full of surprises. Should we talk about the boss battle first one? Because I think this was quite good. The salamander. I was trying to work out what it was today. Mm. It, it looked like a croc, but it wasn't. But this, you're on a boat, aren't you? And you, f- you yeah. almost feel like you're a whaler, or like you know, you try to kill your Moby Dick. You do. The the setup for it is that you get out of the village and what have you. So you go up a hill, um, overlooking the lake, and you see two of the villagers, um, throwing one of the police officers, actually yeah. out of a boat and into the middle of a lake, um, which is where then the salamander rises up out of the depths and swallows him. Um, well, he was dead anyway, and then the villagers make their way back to the dock and. Um, obviously get off and return to the village so you head down to the boat and get in and then obviously try and make your way over to the other side of the lake but obviously as you're doing that the salamander comes up um, out of the water it shakes the anchor um, out of the boat and uh, it then snags on the salamander itself so you're actually being dragged around the lake um, by the salamander Um, you have harpoons a seemingly endless supply of harpoons uh, sitting in the boat beside you um, which you can throw at the salamander while it's dragging you around Um, but at the same time the salamander itself is sort of heading towards bits of trees and things that are floating in the lake um, which if they hit your boat will spill Leon out of the boat Mm. and you then have to try and swim back to the boat before the salamander catches up with you which is terrifying (laughs) yes it is Yeah. yeah Um, I got caught up a couple of times uh, the first couple of times that I did um, because I usually got snagged by the salamander on the third time that I got kicked out of the boat until I realised that actually getting shaken out of the boat actually decreases your health Um, so if you don't have enough health on the sort of the third attempt um, of getting back to the boat then the salamander will get you so whenever I, after that I realised that that was happening so whenever I got back to the boat I had a very quick green herb or egg or whatever I had um, just to boost my health up again uh, just to make sure I had a couple more attempts to get back into the boat Hmm. but yeah it's quite, it can be quite a long fight Yeah. Um, just because the aiming on the harpoon and then obviously trying to avoid anything in the lake as well and occasionally the salamander will dip below the surface and then rise up um, sort of either to your left or to your right which could potentially be in the way of the boat um, as it's travelling and uh, could potentially spill you out so you do have to be quite quick reflexes um, on guiding and steering the boat to try and avoid either the the trees or even the attacks from underwater it felt like um uh, like a House of the Dead game at that point. You know when um, the salamander was coming up from you and you couldn't see it and then all of a sudden the arrows would flash yeah. left or right. It just felt a bit like that type of on-rails sort of type of House like I said, House of the Dead game sh- um, shoot them up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, it's coming at you 
sort of perspective does change a bit. You are you are on yeah. the boat. You got these flashing lights. You were uh, you're tapping your square button or on the PS2 or mm. whatever it is, and try to of get through this level. But it was quite restrained when you look at the salamander itself and you compare it to what came after the, this game. The design of the salamander is quite restrained and I think it's really effective. Mm. It is, yeah. And actually, just with us sort of going back on and sort of little nods to horror games and things, this is definitely Jaws, um, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the sort of snagging, going for the harpoons, etc. And, and yeah, just the bit of it um, sort of popping up and you not necessarily knowing where it's popped up from and uh, trying to get a hit or two in um, before it actually reaches your boat. Uh, it's definitely a, a little nod to Jaws. And it's a sort of a, mm. a testament to, to how well parts of that game stand up to this day. Uh, nearly a decade later in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, uh, they pretty much ripped that entire sequence for the um, the whaling and, and uh, sections in that game where you'd jump in a little boat and you'd be lobbing harpoons at sharks or, or white whales. <laughs> and it's pretty mm. much exactly the same mechanic as that boss fight. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Actually, no, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> also, uh, the bit we mentioned earlier with uh, when you shoot one of the enemies and when you shoot the enemies in the head and the tentacles come out, uh, Dark Souls Three, no, uh, Bloodborne. Sorry, uh, in a section of that ripped that completely, where you come across some innocuous-looking villagers that look like the ones that you've been fighting for mm. a long time. Actually, quite a lot of. Bloodborne rips quite uh, rips quite heavily from um, <laughs> Resident Evil Four, but uh, yeah, there's a bit in that where you come across an enemy that looks like one of the villagers you fought a million times before, and then his head explodes into like a mass of snakes, um, and that's lifted directly from Resident Evil Four. So this game's got quite a uh, a legacy in in games that came since it. There's a few others I'll mention later on as well. Hmm. Yeah. So the next. Major thing. Well, the thing I want to talk about is the shopkeepers. Oh yeah. I mean, these are scattered throughout the um, the game. We say these. Is it just the same well, guy? I was, I was never sure. <laughs> well, I actually just before we came onto the call, I was watching a little video on YouTube, um, just sort of trying to work out who he is or what mm. he is, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Sometimes at night his eyes glow the same colour as the villagers, so does yeah. that mean he is infected or he's not infected? If he is infected, then why is he not affected the same way um, as the villagers? Um, there's a possibility that he's maybe related to Luis in some way. Yeah, you watched the same video mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's, and then there's other things of, well... If he is the same guy, then does that mean he has a series of tunnels running under <laughs> everywhere that he can get to? And in some of the later bits, whenever you see the full armory and what have you, it would suggest that he does have an armory stored below. Um, or potentially later on, you know, the villagers are using weapons and things which do look very familiar or similar to what he has. Mm-hmm. So is he stealing off at the villagers or has he been supplying the villagers? <laughs> he is a very, very mysterious chap. Yeah. It's, well, his accent sort of reveals him. Was it Cockney? I, think, I, think. I don't know what it was. It, it, changed, it, changed with, <laughs> it kept changing with various different dialogue lines he had. It was really difficult to pin down where the hell he was supposed to be from. He definitely didn't seem to be Spanish. Hmm. No. He sounds Australian or something. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like gruff Australian, but... Um. But that brings us to the, one of the things that you were collecting was the um, coins, wasn't it? The... 
a cash type of thing that was you were able to upgrade your weapons with. Mm-hmm. And by weapons, I mean one of the things that Resident Evil's famous for is its inventory. And man, you had to really mess about with your inventory. <laughs> yeah, because it was kind of like a box, mm. wasn't it? And you had to fit everything in the box, and everything had different dimensions and <laughs> shapes and stuff. Yeah, I've seen the. But it definitely beats the original, because like the original, you could only carry six items yeah. end off. Like it definitely be mm. that system for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I've seen the inventory system on sort of subsequent Resident Evil games, um, sort of compared to playing Tetris, basically trying to fit everything <laughs> in. Um, also, the fact yep. that I'm not sure if it's the HD remake or um, from the original one, but you can actually then turn the items in this one as well, um, just to try and give you a little bit of extra leeway um, yeah. to try and get everything fitted in. Yeah, Deus Ex Human Revolution and Mankind Divided has kind of lifted that um, grid-based uh, inventory system straight out of the Resident Evil games as well, like that way you have to sort of navigate, move things around to try and squeeze them all into your inventory, and there's also this, this the similar sort of mechanic of being able to combine different materials to make yeah. more potent like healing materials or, or different weapons and, and combining attachments onto weapons as well. Um, because of the attachment system like I don't remember that being in the first three Resident Evil games where you no. could add attachments onto no. the weapons at all and there were there was a ton of them in uh, in Resident Evil 4 yeah, well, I guess it's not possible to carry attachments for each of the weapons you would want to keep necessarily and actually keep regular mm. inventory items because that's the annoying thing the attachments weren't permanently attached to the weapons so they still took up their own slot mm. Um, and especially like, you had to have the attachment for the rifle to beat those god awful grey experiment enemy things. Yeah. Yeah. You needed the infrared thing to see the parasites on them. So you kind of had to carry that mm. and the rifle at all times, which was a bit of a pain in the ass because it took up so much room. Mm. Um, but yeah, so was a, but the attachments was a weird system. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't think they revisited later either. No. In the same way. I mean, subsequent Resident Evils, I don't remember having such a issue with the inventory I remember the first three no. and this one quite fiddly like I said but the ones from five and six and the revelations ones were yeah. quite they seemed to have sorted it all out to a large extent yeah revelations they definitely did it's more streamlined in that yeah it seemed a lot easier to manage yeah so do we get, we get to the church don't we mm-hmm. yeah, so we get to the church where Leon discovers Ashley present start is being held and he rescues her and he jumps through the window again I mean, there's a couple at least a couple of times cutscenes where Leon jumps through windows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems, seems to be a regular thing yeah. but um, jumping through windows was his thing and this one he jumps through the stained glass windows after meeting Sadler Osman Sadler voiced by Michael Goff from Batman, mm-hmm. a butler. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never realised that. Yeah. Okay. And he oh. is the leader of the Ilamandos, and he reveals his plan to use the plague injected into Ashley and uh, to help her um, inject the president of the United States and take over the world. Yeah, like like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How do we find Sadler as a bad guy? 
kind of man mm. for me. Uh, I've had to, like, yeah, he's like the big bad all-seeing guy that just happens to crop up at like key points. Yeah, which kind of gets a bit predictable. Um, uh, and then how he, how you ultimately fight him is kind of dissatisfying as well, I guess. Not to get mm. to the end, not to jump ahead mm. to the end, but considering everything he can apparently do, it's kind of a bit frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, he was a bit of a, a bit of a letdown compared to some of the other characters that you end up having fights with. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Specifically, who I'm trying to think of, um, uh, Mendez. Like he was far, it was a, a, yes. a much more interesting boss fight. I thought mm-hmm. probably yeah, interesting, more sure. interesting character yeah. overall as well. Yep, like it has multiple. His boss fight has like multiple stages yeah. to it, kind of. Whereas Sadler doesn't. In One the of the more like memorable environments for a boss fight as well in the is in the burning mm-hmm. barn, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nothing like it's nothing. It's quite mm-hmm. understated, for in reality, like you're just in an old nappy yeah. barn. Yeah. Mm. I mean, mechanically, it wasn't particularly complicated. You just sort of stand there and shoot at him until he gets too close. Then you have to run past him to the <laughs> other and turn around and rinse and repeat. But it was like the, the fight itself and the setting made that one of the more memorable fights in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Probably say the weakest part is Sadler's story itself. Is it? It's, it's very basic plot mm. wants to conquer the world um, yeah it's a bit boring I guess because he he's kind of like presented as like a messiah who thinks he's doing good and stuff mm. but all that exposition's through logs kind of not through him showing anything like he doesn't have any charisma or anything mm. really because I guess no. he's not he's not gaining his messiah power by going around boasting about it he's like gaining it by spreading the virus mm. kind of so it's like he doesn't have to have any charisma really he can just be a crazy guy and just infect mm. people which is perhaps why he is a bit boring he's just a cipher for like the virus spreading or something I guess yeah and he just likes to talk into like, Leon you just be like just yeah. shoot Leon they're done and then disappearing yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he does introduce one of those one of the better enemies the cultists you know they were the ones dressed in the robes I think these are ones. Oh yeah! Once you reach the castle, yeah. you see more of them. Yeah, and that chant they have yeah. is like the first time you hear that, it's disturbing. When you walk into the castle, mm. and you hear them like chanting away. Yeah, I mean that was quite. I do like that. Yeah, I like that. I also like the entrance to the castle as you go up. It's because it feels like a bit like a Transylvania one, you know, Dracula, mm. where the villagers come up with eggs they've all got torches and they've got the pitchforks and they're coming up and it feels like and it's inverted isn't it because they're not coming up to um, drag a monster out of a castle they're just coming up to kill you mm. yeah <laughs> mm. so that's a little good so this ogre where do you fight this ogre from the Lord of the Rings oh he's actually before you get the Ashley uh, so it? it's in. I'm just reading through. So not like a big series of trenches, is it? Yeah, yeah almost yeah. like a fort. Um, so it is with the sort of the yeah. stocky and what have you mine, build up. It's mines and stuff, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I know exactly what you mean though by describing it as a Lord of the Rings. Try it is basically <laughs> yeah. the it is the cave troll from <laughs> yeah. the fashion. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I did first see it, oh, yeah, all those years ago, I do remember he's been watching it. He's been watching Lord of the Rings. You know, and it seems now that Lord of the Rings introduced that type of ogre 
um, figure, mm. you know, figure, the shape and everything. And then Resident Evil took it on, and now you see it in quite often in other games, don't you? Mm. But I enjoyed that battle. I know it was tough. Yeah. Because um, one of the things you had to do, you had to knock it down, and then you had to jump on its back and swipe the tentacle. Mm, the yeah, yeah. yeah, with your knife a few times and get knocked off and come back on it. But I thought that was really good. It was one of the most memorable battles. This mm. is one um, definitely memorable, but as, a, as playing it when I was younger, I definitely remember like wasting a whole bunch of bullets at this point because I didn't realise you had to jump up on top mm. of him. Yeah. So you can effectively like keep knocking him down, then shoot the tentacles, but that doesn't seem to do whatever the knife's doing. So you mm. can just endlessly, and then you end up with no bullets. And then even if you do by some miracle beat him, you end up really short of bullets. But then, yeah, this time it was a lot easier mm. round because I knew how to do it. Yeah, no, I, I completely um, burned through my whole inventory of ammo at the time. <laughs> and if, I would say that if it, if it hadn't been for the wolf helping and me then just running in between El Gigante's legs and just slashing at him um, with the knife, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have stood a chance. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it was the wolf then that, uh, that definitely helped out at that stage. Mm. And uh, it was only purely mm. by chance that it happened to be round at his back and um, whenever he was um, down on his knees that it was the actual prompt then came up to jump on his back mm. and actually slash at the parasite does and finish it off. Yeah. But the game does help you a lot, doesn't it? It does sort of give you quite a lot of hints throughout, you know, with the QTAs, you know, yeah. mash this button, go here. It, it, You know, we're going to talk about it in a bit, about the difficulty, but it does help you progress. There's, there's nothing, I know we're saying it's a bit, it was a bit unsure at this point what to do, you know, where you have to kill the te- tentacles with your knife, but it does flash on the screen, do this or yeah, go here. Yeah, it Yeah, I put it down to me being dumber when I was playing it younger like it was pretty it's pretty in your face what you should be doing mm. kind of in that like he slumps down and you get the prompt if you go anywhere near him mm. um, so yeah even like if even if you're pretty far away you still get the prompt and Leon kind of runs up to him and then jumps instead of just jumping yeah. so yeah so I don't you're definitely right it is holding your hand somewhat so that you at least know but as a teenager I, I didn't have a clue <laughs> But that sort of helps the pace, doesn't it, of a game? It sort of yeah. speeds it up. You know, instead of you running around and Leon being a bit faster this time, it does sort of keep the action sort of theme of the game and the change um, continuous. You know, there's, not, there's a little hold-up of, you know, what to do, where to go, and but you are constantly being pushed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't find myself getting lost at all mm. or anything, or um, even though I. But then it's another one. When I played it the first time, I do seem to remember getting lost a lot. But I made a lot more use of the map this time. I think um, perhaps it's just with hindsight, or perhaps we've played games a lot longer now. Kind of built that intelligence into a little bit better of where to go, what to do. Hmm. I mean, at that sure. point in my gaming history uh, apart from Shenmue I don't think I'd really played many games that had quick time events in um, they became sort of ubiquitous for a while afterwards um, one of the less successful things that people copied from from uh, Res Evil 4 and, and some games that had come before it but I thought the quick time events overall in that game were, were well done um, they weren't annoying too much 
No. Maybe no, I'm looking through rose tinted glasses. Oh, I don't remember, no, but <laughs> I kind of agree. Like they weren't. Like, you think of the boulder when yeah. you're running away from that. You're just mashing the triggers, and then there's like Ooh. one bump button to like jump. Mm-hmm. If you were doing it wrong and overdoing it, they'd be like you mashing the triggers, and then every five meters you'd have to press a random face button Ooh. to like jump over a log or something as well that happens to be in the way. Yeah. That's like getting it wrong. Whereas I think this was the good balance of. Um, matching a short bit of action to some well-designed button prompts kind of that were doable like mm. and it was in context like you were mashing the triggers left and right to sprint as if they were your legs and then you were hitting x to jump to the left kind of on the xbox version anyway so it kind of made sense Whereas mm. i think you did see a lot of games after this that just had button prompts for the sake of button prompts that didn't even remotely match anything that was going on on the screen mm. Um, so yeah, I think this this I don't think it's just roasting in spectacles. I think that they were particularly good in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was one of the first ones, wasn't it? What do you say to use it? Uh, Shenmue. Uh, yeah, Shenmue did it quite heavily as well. I'm I'm almost certain it must have existed in games before then. I just don't really mm. remember it before that point. Mm. But let's say it does do it well. I mean see some subsequent yeah. games like say if it had too much or all of a sudden it flashes on you, you, by the time you press the button it's flashed off and you're dead and you're like oh. you ever oh. played Asura's Wrath? yes no I've heard <laughs> of it it's nothing but quick time events <laughs> so awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> you are captured aren't you Leon is captured by the chief in the village yeah and infected and then he's infected by the parasite mm. Las Plagas, um, and then he's kept with Luis Sierra, and there's the house, isn't it? So, yeah, the house under siege. How did you find that? I, I thought that was a brilliant moment. Like it's, it was a, a proper like under siege sort of. Uh, I, I don't think I've come across anything like that in a game since then either, because um, you were like. Trying to, we did you? I can't remember exactly if you like. Do you actually have to put the to repair the boards on the windows as well as fighting off enemies that get through? Kind of put bookcases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blocking off the windows and doors, and then I think at a certain yeah. point when it just got really hairy, we just retreated upstairs and we hmm. just like pick them up from yeah. as they come through the windows and defend the staircase uh, until mm-hmm. it ends. Your last stand, kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, it's another one it's really good um, it's almost illusionary because there isn't that many more zombies on screen at any no. one time no. just the fact that they keep coming mm. endlessly it's um, gives you a sense more than I guess the consoles could handle at the time that there's like a number of zom- great number of zombies like you'd expect in like a Dead Rising game or something mm. are out there um, but by closing you in the house you don't have to fight yeah, them all at like, once you see lots in the cutscene that leads up to it I think yeah, walking up to yeah, the but then you track. don't actually see that many when it's there's, there's the sound that gives you the impression that there are hundreds yeah, outside, but you you never really have to deal yeah. with more than like a dozen um, at any given time, yeah. if if mm. that. To be honest, it's just a, yeah, it's just another nod to horror films, isn't it? You know, like for example, like Evil Dead or something. Yeah, you're trapped inside this house and people things are attacking you. Or Home Alone. So it's just. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not the first one that comes to thought, but sure. I, I I went to a John Williams concert yesterday. I never realised John Williams scored that. Home Alone. 
Yeah. Oh, I thought we were say he scored Resident Evil 4. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, he scored Home Alone 1 and 2. That makes sense. It's a memorable mm. soundtrack. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sidetrack. Yeah, we digress. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we now get to the castle, and this castle is owned by someone called Raymond Salazar. And I call him Little Napoleon. Funny little character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, he has more charisma than um, Sadler does. Yeah. Yeah. And he's. You kind of hate him more because he's a little prick. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you, like, you just want to punch him in the face. Um, but yeah, he's interesting. It is. Mm. And the sort of game changes now with Ashley, doesn't it? It becomes um, an escort game. Yeah, yeah. Where um, she, um, you see on your little screen, but um, if she's been attacked, it becomes like a bit of an exclamation mark, and that you have to go help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't really leave her anywhere. No. Like you can try and leave her in like the corner of her room, but someone will always pick mm-hmm. her up, and then if they manage to make it to a door, then she's dead yeah. basically. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah. And how do, how do you feel about this change? Because after we've been, we've been with Leon for quite a bit, and all of a sudden, we've got Ashley. It didn't feel too bad to me. For, well, I've had, what, nearly a decade of people saying that, you know, Ashley's terrible, and whenever mm. we actually get Ashley in Resident Evil 4, it takes a real turn and everything, and it's just not as good. But actually guiding her and what have you, and sort of, you know, trying to keep her safe and what have you, is, it's not too bad a mechanic. I think it's well used mm-hmm. in this. Um, compared yeah. to sort of the yeah. bad AI in other sort of, you know, co-op games or whatever, whenever you have um, sort of buddies or teammates and what have you, who are supposedly taking down the same people um, that you are, um, some of those games, just the AI just seems really, really off. But really her role is just to follow you or do what you tell her to do. So she doesn't necessarily not get in the way or, you know, she isn't shooting at enemies um, that are coming towards you. She literally just sort of stays behind you, and uh, tries to sort of you know not get in the way, uh, which is really good. And the fact that if you turn around and sort of have your gun pointed or whatever, she actually ducks down. Um, mm, sort yeah. of emphasizes that. Really yeah, it really, yeah, it really does emphasize that fact. So no, definitely not as annoying as she'd been made out to be. <laughs> no, especially she's compared not to not. Um, games that have had escort missions or escort mechanics that came after. Um, Resident Evil 4 that did it really really badly uh, I think it was it's, it can be frustrating in places mm. but uh, overall I thought especially considering the time the game came out it was done very yeah. well there yeah. was yeah. one thing that struck me just whenever I was playing it Ashley seems okay to actually climb up ladders but can't climb down them um, you actually have to catch her. But then Leon, Leon doesn't climb down the middle. Well, no, he just he? jumps. He just down, jumps. Yeah. Doesn't matter how high it is, he still jumps. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that, I was, in that first village, I, he jumped down that church tower that's way too high. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually just wondering if this was a very specific choice purely because you could technically look up her skirt as she was climbing down. And I'm just wondering. If, if it, I'm just wondering if it was actually a deliberate choice in that respect. 
because since when has the Japanese developer <laughs> ever been put off by something like that? <laughs> it's not Hideo Kojima, though. <laughs> no, no, true. <laughs> not all Japanese game directors. <laughs> no. I'm surprised the top watch she wears. Her. I was like trying to find out how old she is in this game. You know, the present start. She's a college student, but the clothes she wears is just like wow. What, what are you wearing? It's very um, mm. sorority, almost sort of garb. Yeah. Hmm. But trying not to be too sexy because mm. it's like still a cardigan kind of yeah. thing. There's still something that your nan might. It's uh, you, very you, like, yeah. the preppy. Off. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, then the tart. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Cowboy. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, one of the things you I've know when you. Um, getting Ashley but it's just her voice I think it, it does start to grate a bit where are you going Leon Leon shoot those barrels on that wagon look there's a crank over there look there's a gate here Leon look at the ceiling yeah I was watching a, a YouTube video of it earlier and it, even the thing she's like Leon help me and you're like Ugh. Leon 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 help and not again yeah. And I do remember, yeah, just going, yeah, like, it's him, like, not again, have to go over there, and all of a sudden you got a cultist running at you, it's just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's not long after this point where you get introduced to the sections where Ashley gets separated from Leon and you yeah. have to control Ashley on her own, and she has no means to defend herself at mm. all. I, I found those sections, like frustrating in places but kind of interesting as mm. well because it it was a, even more um survival horror than than the rest of the game because at least the rest of the game like uh, if you play it right you never really run out of ammo too much no. um and you've always got means to do it to defend yourself but with Ashley it's just sort of like if, if there's an enemy all you can do is run um i found those sections quite interesting yeah yeah, and it brings back a bit more of the puzzle elements that you kind of expected. Mm. Like mm. there's that room with the uh, with the metal gates, and you kind of have to work your way around to hit switches so yeah. you can get through the room in its entirety. But you can't just open them all at once, mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, I didn't mind it. Did, I think it, if it had gone on any longer, it might have got annoying. But the fact it's mm. relatively short kind of kind of does mm. I think it had a good place in the game kind of breaks the, yeah. breaks the game up very well doesn't it I mean yeah. if, we ever, if we ever talk about 5 or in particular 6 you know it's a vast difference uh, yeah <laughs> so this is just like almost gives you a break away from it I mean one of the things you find in the castle is that you're having to look for keys the old famous keys like all yeah <laughs> you do one thing I did find though they're always relatively close by mm. Like in the next room or the room after that, like you never it doesn't feel like you're having to backtrack for them. Whereas definitely in like Resident Evil One, the mansion, like you mm. could have to go from one side or the other. Especially by the time you've opened up a lot of that game, yeah, mm-hmm. you'd have you'd struggle to remember. You'd know, oh, I've seen something there where like a crescent moon would fit in, but you couldn't remember for the life of you where it was. Mm. Whereas here, everything was more localized. Like you'd find this thing. In, the ne- in that same area or the area immediately next to it so you mm. at least remembered it mm. um, same with the keys whatever crests that open things mm. yeah well on the whole like the puzzles seem to be a little bit 
simplified compared yeah. to uh, the ones that have been in the, in the, in the first three games. Uh, I think that just sort of goes along with the fact that this was uh, a lot more action orientated yeah. than uh, the Resident Evil games have been up until that point. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it, yeah. it was a little bit more uh, straightforward to play, I guess. Yeah, because there's none of that. I'm just now thinking there's like none of the uh, image, uh, the item manipulation, where you like yeah. spin items to try and unlock. In the very in the first one, one of the first things you have to do is you find an arrow, mm-hmm. and you kind of spin it around to snap off the head, and yeah. the head takes you to those catacombs in the back garden kind of thing. There's yeah. none of that, that I remember in Resident Evil hmm. Four. Um, no, so yeah, and there wasn't like miles of backtracking and things no, like that. Like that's the kind of I guess like speaks to what you're saying like the change of pace the more action like it didn't have time for those like mm. slower like more cerebral puzzles kind mm. of no except for in that Ashley scene well it, it would sort of you know, like you said affect the pace if you had to go all the way back or after you had 10 rooms back yeah mm-hmm. the game like we said holds your hand quite a bit always seems to want to push you forward and mm-hmm. like we said even though is linear doesn't feel linear but still wants to keep that pace up of a action film you know, yeah, it's it's constantly driving you forward. So mm-hmm. it would probably go against um, the aim of a game if it sent you back ten ten rooms, mm. or and then left ten rooms as well. It, it wouldn't really work towards it, and you'd probably feel it more. It'd probably be, you'd probably feel that more in Resident Evil Four than you do in Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because of the pace. And isn't it here in the castle that you fight, you discover, like, I just put giant grasshoppers? Almost. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and you have to go down into the sewage bit. Yeah. yeah. And there's the invisible giant grasshoppers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're very frustrating to fight because you can't really let them get close no. like you can the villagers because try and swipe at them with your knife, they'll still, like, grab at you and, like, suck mm. on you and then you're kind of doing, like, a... QTE to grab to raffle them off you kind of thing. Yeah, mm. I hated those guys. Least favorite enemies for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. even with the, the grasshoppers as well in the castle. There's the garridors, the blind prisoners with the wolverine claws. Oh, oh, oh god, yeah. Who were an absolute pain. The fact that they're the only um, spot that you could get them from was behind, and um, with the parasite attached to their backs. Ooh. But then you do realise if you make no... Eventually you realise, like, when you fight those two in the bigger area, if you don't have any... Um, make any sound, then you can kind of sneak behind mm-hmm. them. A couple of shotgun bullets to the back, and then you kind of <laughs> get them, because then they start flailing around mm. and stuff. Mm. Like, but then you have to fight... There's that one bit where you fight one of those in the prison, mm-hmm. and Ashley's at really close quarters, and you kind of can't get around without making any sound. It's kind of annoying. Mm. Another thing that's kind of been taken from this game and put in other ones, don't you think those remind you quite heavily of in the enemies in Gears of War? The big blind yeah. bulldozing enemies, I can't remember what they're called. You have to move around yeah. them very quietly. They can't see, but they can hear you. I know what you mean, but I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, you fight, yeah. They only fight them a couple of times, but yeah, I, 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 like, I feel like they were quite heavily influenced by mm. the... Um, the Garridors mm. or Berserkers. Berserkers, yeah. That's what they're called, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are quite similar to that, mm. Yeah. Mm. And isn't it here you fight I mean fight with cultists, but they come with shields as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, like spiked shield. Yeah, and they've got um, what do we have? What do we call it? Mace. We have maces. Mace, yeah. yeah. So it's got a wider reach. It just as you get further into the game, the enemies sort of like level up themselves almost. Mm. You know, because then you also have the guys with the metal uh, face masks. Yeah, you can't shoot them in the head. Mm. Um, yes, particularly that yeah, that fight in I think what's called the water room. Um, yeah, which is the infamous one. Uh, yeah, mm. I there's like one of each in it. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, just the the amount of enemies and what have you. And again, there's no real safe spot to leave Ashley um, while everything's going no. on. And uh, so you literally have to just be very aware of everything that's going around you, and obviously then try and take out mm. the snipers and what have you beforehand. Um, because even um, kind of after that section, there's the bit where you use Ashley to press the two switches and then you have to backtrack. Yep. So I left Ashley on the switch because I was like, well, there's no enemies here. <laughs> there's no doors, so they can't possibly get her. I'll stay here, wait for the enemies to come to me, take them out. Somehow turned around and Ashley was gone. <laughs> and it's like, and then there's a guy walking over over his back. And I was like, well, how the hell did that happen? So there's some like yeah, that's the room with tomfoolery going on. I was going to say, there, that's the room of, with the so two pressure pads, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. there's a hole in the roof, in the ceiling of it, which, which they supposedly oh, dropped well, down from. Oh. Okay, that explains it. Then maybe it's not as tricky as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also when you're in the castle, there's the um, the plagueus infested suits of armor. Mm-hmm. Do you oh, remember yeah, that? They just yeah. like run at you and hit. Yeah, their, uh, they'll like shatter when the various weapons hit the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the sections where with where you're controlling Ashley, and you're in a room with those, but it's also pitch black. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, kind of yeah. running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to bring up just at this stage, um, and the, because I'm playing on the HD version on the PC, um, it had been running quite nicely um, up until sort of that point of the water room, but then I started to notice mm. an awful lot of slowdown. Um, at certain stages, which it well, the, yeah, frame, the rate. frame rate just seems felt mm. really weird. Um, my PC is fairly good, um, eight gig of RAM and what have you, and a fairly good graphics card. But there didn't seem to be any good reason apart from possibly just the number of enemies on screen. But other games mm. that I've played with sort of a similarly um, sort of required minimum specification or what have you, that I haven't had any issues with. But there was an awful lot of slowdown um, during certain stages of this. Has the PC version been remade recently? Um, it was or is released. It a fairly no, old I think one? it was released what two years ago for the HD remake. Oh, it was in okay. around the same time as the ports for the um, Xbox One and uh, PlayStation huh. Three or Four, I think. Cross uh, just poor optimization. Potentially, then. yeah. Um, it just felt a little mm. odd and uh, disappointing almost, um, because otherwise mm. it. It looks fantastic um, in the HD room. You know they've redone all the textures and what have you, and, uh, and there's an awful lot more clarity um, to the actual graphics themselves um, compared to the GameCube version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a small thing to note. Yeah, if you're playing on PC. Um, so while in the castle, um, you've got a number of traps, haven't you? You have what I call the Temple of Doom trap with the. Um, spikes coming down. Mm. Um, I think there's a number of traps where these you've got pillars and you, you start getting chased by the grasshoppers. 
Me coming down. Okay. <laughs> 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 but once again, we... grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know what a car. I'm just calling them grasshoppers. They look like him. <laughs> no, they look at it. I wouldn't know what else to call them. To I think honest. Salazar just calls them insects or something anyway, doesn't he? Uh, uh, they are called uh, Novistadores, which is apparently Spanish for the unseen. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, that yeah. makes sense. But, like we said, we discussed once again, it keeps you thinking all the time. You know, despite the pace, you know, you've got different types of enemies, you've got the traps coming up. And these traps um, separate Ashley and Leon. And. At the time, Lewis, the guy you met earlier, he's searching for pills to help slow Leon Ashley's infection. Um, he managed to bring, he managed to get the items, bring them to Leon, but he's killed by Sadler, who takes the sample of Las Plagas, but Leon managed to keep the pills. Um, also in the castle, you meet Ada Wong. So, what are our thoughts about Ada? Slippery one, isn't she? <laughs> you kind of don't know her motives. Um, she's kind of like a double agent that kind of switches sides constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, even till the, up till the very end, you still kind of think she's on your side and that you've kind of settled your differences with her. Um, but she... It's kind of not true. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Probably one of the most. Sorry, go. On. No, go on. I think it's probably one of the most interesting characters. I mean, we might talk about it briefly, but the, you know, the, there's a whole extra chapter of, with her, isn't there? Mm. But um, in terms of, you know, character-wise, she's the one who has probably the most interesting motives. And yeah, yeah, she's a yeah. And Whatever she's up to, she yeah. obviously has her motives for them. So everything she's doing has a. She's not going there because she's told to, like Leon. Mm. She's not blindly going because she's infected or anything. Um, yeah, you're kind of right. She has her reasons for doing anything. It's one of the more interesting things trying to figure out what those are. Mm. Well, as far as I understand her motives for being there, she seems to be. Because this is one of the things about Resident Evil 4 is that. Um, on the on the whole, it doesn't have anything to do with Umbrella or any of their sort of like you know uh, bio weaponry no. um, and viruses no. and things like that. It's the, the Las Plagas is supposed to be an ancient plague um, that was discovered a long time ago, and then the first Castellan of this this Spanish town locked it away, and then Salazar unleashes it um, with the help of um, what's his name, the boring guy. Sadler, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as far as I understand, Ada Wong is there um, at the behest of, of Wesker. Yeah, to try well, and yes and no, She's, to try and steal it. Yeah, to help him resurrect Umbrella Corp. Yeah, but then she's also. Which I'm not sure if this has ever actually worked out in five or six. She's also working for another organization who want the virus because mm. by the end of it when she's leaving she's not leaving to go and give it to Wesker she's double crossed him at that point 
Yeah. There's like another mystery organization. I'm not sure who they are or whether it's ever established. Maybe it is in the Operation Ada stuff, the side stuff. Mm. I'm not sure. But yeah, so she's kind of using Wesker to get to the island, I guess, mm. and make her life easier while she's there, kind of. Mm. Um, yeah. Don't know who the other organization are. I've not played six and I can't remember five that well. Mm. No, well, they were both rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she does help uh, our list for help of Re- Lewis, don't she? To get the mm. sample, and like I said, she does betray Wesker as such. And it says here, send him in an inferior strain, um, but steals a parasite sample for herself. And I think that's mm-hmm. to the credit of Resident Evil 4. I think that's one of the benefits when you look at 5 and 6. There is hardly any mention of Umbrella and of ge- yeah. genetic mutation and bacilli things that came after this game, but I think it's stronger for, for it because I, I described it as a hump game, but it's yeah. so different from the original three and from the what I would five and six. I've got a theory about mm. that. Um, so the first Resident Evil film came out in 2002 uh, and I wonder if Capcom saw that and thought oh god what have we what have we done um, <laughs> let's try and <laughs> let's try and cut ourselves away from the whole Umbrella Corps T-Virus nonsense as much as possible and try and spin a different story mm. yeah, possibly <laughs> you're right I've only seen like the first movie and then one of the later ones and those movies certainly get crazy yeah like, <laughs> I guess they're coming to an end pretty soon yeah or the last one of this like art story yeah. arc I guess oh, what's Paul yeah. W.S. Anderson going to do then I don't know find some other game <laughs> franchise to slaughter <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might talk about it more in the legacy bit with it, you know, with all that. Um, mm. So, the end boss fight really is um, Salazar, or little Napoleon, and he mutates into some god-awful creature, just gets tentacles everywhere and... Kind of gets swallowed by swallowed it. Swallowed it by like it. He embraces it. Yeah. Like cackling as he gets pulled in by this like mm. giant Venus flytrap thing. Mm. Um, I can't really remember this part of it. I don't, I, if, this is a weird thing. For some reason, as a, when I was younger, I thought this was the actual end of the game, mm. not just the end of the castle. Yeah. Um, and I kind of felt like after that, I kind of felt like the game was dragging. Um, and arguably, this boss battle's a bit. Um, more impressive than Sadler is mm. at the end, really. Yeah, you kind yeah. of it's bigger scale. Um, it's in this huge castle setting. It has like multiple layers to it. Like you can go underneath him and collect ammo and health and stuff. Um, I enjoyed this boss battle. Yeah, definitely doing something different. Like you dodging the tentacles, shooting the eyes until um, Salazar pops out of the little thing, and then you shoot him until he dies. I enjoyed mm. it. Sure, and I was glad to kill him, the little twat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about the length. I mean, you're looking at it now; it's 16 hours on average. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a long yeah. game, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, is... an actual one. 
Yeah, and this is maybe like 10 or 12 hours yeah. into it, I guess. Somewhere mm, around that yeah. mark. And after the castle, like the difficulty, I guess one thing we've missed is the difficulty definitely ramps up in the castle. Mm. So you kind yeah. of feel like oh, yeah. you've... It does take another ramp after the castle, kind of. But um, you definitely feel like you're uh, building up towards a climax. Mm. It's just not this guy. No. No. Perhaps should have been, though. Yeah. yeah. We'll get on to... I'm not a fan of the facility stuff necessarily, which comes just after this, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the castle was a good way, and it kind of brought it back a little bit, like you were in a closed-off environment, a bit like the mansion, kind of. Um, you just had that puzzle scene with Ashley and stuff, so it kind of brought it a little bit back more to Resident Evil's core, slowed things down a bit. Mm. And, then, and it kind of goes crazy towards the end with the facility, and then... Um, Towards the end, the more action-focused scenes you get with a helicopter helping you out and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the castle and the church probably one of the most impressively designed ones. The village itself is quite is good, but it's quite brown, isn't it? It's got that feeling, you know. But the castle itself, I thought um, the designs of it, you know, the graphics and how it feels open at times. But still mm. closed, and I just thought it was just a well-designed area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlike the, like, say, the facility is just a bit box standard. And that's when it becomes a little bit more funneling you down corridors. Leon, help! We are now joining Leon as he travels to a nearby island research facility. Where he once again continues to search for the girl Ashley. Seems to lose her quite often. <laughs> um, and here he finds that one of his former training comrades, Jack Krauser, um, who he believed to have been killed in a helicopter crash two years prior, is responsible for kidnapping Ashley. And it is eventually revealed that both Ada and Krauser are working with Albert Wesker from the previous three games and both intend to secure a Plagueis sample. Um, Krauser, I don't know how you feel about him. I think the fight was a knife fight, which was, it was quite QTE heavy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was an interesting diversion, but like we've discussed, it sort of feels like the natural ending was the castle. And yeah. this all just seems to be, feels like, well, we need to extend the length. How do we do it? Mm-hmm. Krauser just seems to be a bit of a nothing villain. Yeah, kind of just somebody to get in your way. Very, very... Mm. Yeah, very, very forgettable. Like, until I started looking up the characters that were in this game again, I'd completely forgotten that he was in the game, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing. He just turned into another one of these creatures that, you know, mutates. Oh, you like, know. like a bird, doesn't he? Yeah. Kind of, like, sprays yeah. out, like, wings that kind of block you from shooting him properly. Yeah. fighting the second time. But it, it, I mean, I felt like I said, Mark, I forgot about him totally. Mm. It was like, I was watching through videos, like, eh, who's that? And I thought it was Wesker at first because yeah, it yeah. does look very similar to Wesker. It's so it like almost a feels like, Wesker, isn't it? yeah, <laughs> mm. <laughs> so is it later on in the games, five or six, so you got like clones of Wesker, yeah, it, like, almost feels like that, but mm. anyway. 
Suspicious of a mercenary's intention, Sadler orders Krauser to kill Leon, believing that no matter which one dies, he will benefit. So after you defeat Krauser, um, Leon eventually rescues Ashley, and they go to a machine which removes the Las Plagas um, infection. And that felt very alien, aliens world-like. You know, when you see the scanning, you can see yeah. it underneath the chest, and you see the little, like, creature moving around. You know, it seems like they'd put the face hugger and put it inside her. Almost. Yep. Hmm. There's, um, there's a bit of tension there, because I feel like as much as uh, hmm. Leon struggles when you do his, um, yeah. there's more of a struggle when you do it in Ashley's. She's like mm. groaning a lot and stuff, and for I remember the first time thinking like shit, she's gonna die here or something, or be disabled by it or something. But then it turns out to be mm. like nothing. She kind of makes her scream, and then she's just like, oh, okay, it's gone. Or like some, yeah. or maybe not. <laughs> maybe she doesn't become um, like injured by it or dies, but maybe it doesn't work on her because it seems to be taking a longer time. It's kind of I guess they try to ratchet yeah. a bit of tension, but kind of nothing to it. Hmm. I mean, is there any other things we can remember about this level? I mean, I I, I have very lapsed memories about this game. What the facility? In terms of this facility. Yeah, the only thing I really remember is um, uh, what were the enemies called? Uh, The regenerators. Um, I mentioned them before. Uh, The Almost indestructible. Yeah, what I remember specifically is the noise yeah, they make. Creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, creepy <laughs> as hell. Like most of the facility was really forgettable, but those were uh, an interesting, if annoying, enemy. Um, it's a new little wrinkle because they were indestructible unless you killed the sort of parasite that was running them. But you could only see the parasite if you used the. Um, uh, was it thermal scope or an infrared scope? Uh, well, uh, thermal, yeah. Or something, yeah, because you see yeah, the heat yeah. signatures of them. Kind of. Um, yeah. Along the body. There, there were like the regular ones, and then there were sort of like. I don't know what you call them, like Iron Maiden ones. Porcupine yeah. guys. Like the regenerators with the spikes that came out if you got too close to them. Which was annoying because they'd often, they also had a point on the back where you had to shoot. So then you had to get yep. close to them in the quite tight environments to get around them so you could see where the one in the mm-hmm. back is. Or what you can do, which I learned this playthrough, is if you tend to shoot like the upper chest with the shotgun, it'll go straight through them and shoot them on the back anyway. Um, which oh, is only right. a trick I discovered <laughs> this time around relatively late on. Um, mm. But yeah, so you don't quite have to do that. After Krauser defeats, you rescue Ashley, get rid of V. Um, alien, well, it's like an, Leon calls it like almost like an alien infestation, and mm. you finally confront Sadler, and this is the end of game, bad guy. And the only thing I can say is he just explodes, and it's quite fast, <laughs> like a jumping crab. Yeah, almost. Mm. It's like his body's kind of in the middle, isn't it? And then it's yeah. like his crab legs like wandering around on the outskirts of his body, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I talked about it before. It's kind of a boring boss battle, to be honest. 
shooting yeah. eyes that randomly open on the legs, and then you go and stab him. Rinse and repeat, mm -hmm. and then Ada throws you a rocket launcher, or if you happen to have one in your inventory already, and then you shoot him, and he's gone. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sums up that whole section of the game. Once you pass the castle, it's just kind of a bit of an anti climax. It's also a bit weird because you're escaping, like are... aren't you? And then Ash, and then mm. Leon's kind of like, "Oh wait, something doesn't feel right." And then you go up onto mm. like, this gantry where it is, which is kind of weird. Yeah. It's like who cares if something doesn't feel right? Just leave. <laughs> yeah, leave. <laughs> Yeah, the the whole that whole ending section. Like, there were better, more memorable boss fights. I'd save the other, th all three of the other. Well, I think there were only mm. three. Or was there four boss fights before uh, this? The ogre, the swamp, Salazar. Oh, yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, Salazar and um, uh, what's his name in the oh, yeah. Demetrios uh, something or other. Yeah, yeah. They were all way more memorable, much much more interesting boss fights than the fight yeah. against Sadler. But yeah, that the whole ending section, with the exception of the regenerators and a few other little bits and pieces, was just kind of forgettable. Yep, yeah, for sure. It's not this, this not a section of the game that I remember particularly favorably, if I remember it at all. <laughs> 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 no. I mean, it seemed a bit of a disappointment, disappointing end to the game. You know, you'd played through yeah. so many great set pieces. You'd done so many different things. Mm -hmm. Venues had changed. You would, you'd, you'd upgraded your weapons. And all it really came down to was Ada helping you and giving you a rocket launcher. Again, it's Ada's involvement yeah. and what she's yeah. up to that is the more interesting part of this, part, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that last section of the game definitely sort of outstayed its welcome, mm. I think. And then, once you defeat Salazar with your specially modified rocket launcher, um, there's samples there, um, and Ada pulls a gun out on you. Yeah. Yeah, she pulls a gun out on you, takes the sample, and then escapes in the mm. helicopter on her own. Yeah. Nice last, <laughs> isn't she? <laughs> but what it does, until I think probably one of the best bits of the game, is the ending. The actual, you know, the, mm. the escape. Because uh, I do remember this, and it's like you've got three minutes to escape off the island because she's rid the island for explosives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just remember getting really frustrated with cutscenes because I could see my timer ticking down. Yeah, because the timer starts ticking down before <laughs> you get control, yeah. 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 But you get to Ashley and you get on a jet ski. And you are going through the sewer tunnels, aren't you? Going left and right, mm -hmm. and dodging. you're having to put dodging. You have to you having to push accelerate even faster. Yeah, which kind of you can well get stuck. You think you're going quick, mm. and then you kind of have to yeah. get a bit quicker, or you get swept yeah. up in the tidal wave. Which yeah, caused me a couple of problems. Mm. Actually, it got me a, two or three times. Mm -hmm. So I thought that as an ending, you know. When you think about the pace of the, the pace of the game, was a very good ending. You know, the boss battle aside was poor, and the facilities poor. Had they added maybe mm -hmm. that ending of a jet ski to the castle, it would have yes. been probably almost a perfect game. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So, and that 
brings you to the end of Resident Evil. But one thing I didn't notice was Stranger. Ashley. Ask Leon for overtime. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was wondering if anyone else would bring that up. When she says, um, when you take... What is it? When you take me back to my place, mm. how about we have some overtime? And he's kind of yeah. like, no. No. And it's like, I, I know either. she's meant to be like a student <laughs> and stuff, but she's not presented. She's presented as a very like innocent, like naive, vulnerable yeah. girl throughout the game. And it kind of, yeah. it, it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then my wife mm. happened to be, of course she did, happened to be close by at the time. <laughs> the one time she's listening to some game dialogue and she's like, Ew, how old is that girl? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. So, it yeah. seemed very out of place, didn't it? Yeah, there's no hint of that no. being anything. If anything, if there's any hint of anything, it's him being like a father or something, like looking after her the way he cares mm. for her. Like, or like an older brother or something. There's never any hint of any like romantic feelings or certainly no sexual feelings until that no. point. Um, and then it's weird. I don't know. Like, cause mm. don't Leon and Ada have a history? So then it's like, yeah. what you thought that maybe because Ada's out of the picture now, you want, might want a piece of you. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's almost like the director thought, "Hold on, he's rescued her. Maybe she's hero worshiping him." I always think of the and giving also. a bit of. Like a prize, this is your reward. Yeah, <laughs> I always wonder about the similarities between this mm. and the end of the first Metal Gear Solid with mm. Meryl, kind of they escape on that ski do, and then there's similar hints at the end of that about their yes. relationship. Yeah, makes you wonder. Yeah, but it is weird, and it, it does feel out of place in this game. Um, so one of the things we have sort of hinted about and we want to talk about is. What is the adaptable d- difficulty of the game? Um, now, mm. Adam kind of pointed us all to a YouTube video, and why don't you just want to discuss what this adaptable difficulty is, Adam? Yeah, so um, the video is Game Maker's Toolkit by a guy called Matt Brown, who I guess is like a freelance writer here um, in England, and he basically points to how. Which is something that's obvious. Like when I started the game, you don't get to pick a difficulty setting, which confused me. A lot of these games, you'll, especially Ooh. survival horror games, you'll get to pick like hardcore or extreme mode or survival mode or something, and then a mode that's a little bit easier that will give you an easier ride with, in terms of like enemies and ammo and stuff. Um, this doesn't do Ooh. that because it has adaptive difficulty, and what it will do is. If you're struggling and you die a lot, it'll start at like a baseline. And if you're struggling and you die a lot, it'll kind of start to scale things back, make things easier, so have less enemies. One of the um, examples he gives is that water room in the castle, and how if you've been playing amazingly up to that point, there'll be an entire row of like six enemies, plus um, the crossbow, the firing crossbolt guys will be on top of the stairs mm. shooting down at you. If you keep failing at that area, it slowly like pulls back so like the first thing to go are the snipers with the crossbows then it'll scale back some of the enemies also talks about how um certain tactics you use it'll like adjust to stop you being able to use those tactics um, i think it pointed at like if you do a lot of headshots then more of the enemies will start to sprout the um 
the tentacles will start to come out of them to try mm. and dissuade you from purely doing headshots and then you'll also face more of those ones with like the metal heads and stuff it even goes down to if you were using the shotgun a lot it'll start giving you less shotgun ammo to try and trick you similarly like i think that's one of the reasons mm. why ammo isn't as sparse as it was in past games because it's constantly measured like it's taking account of how much ammo you have at which point so when you're breaking open crates it's deciding whether you need ammo or whether it should give you um, money instead to spend on upgrades it's a really clever system and then the cleverest thing about it that he underscored is that at no point was it in any of the pre-release footage or the pre-release marketing about the game it was just something they slipped in there and added as a feature and didn't and kept quiet mm. which is makes it all the more clever because i guess um you're not trying to you're not looking at the mechanics behind it or how it's what's going on behind the scenes you've kind of are just not even aware it's happening and it isn't until somebody like mark brown does a video where it dissects different scenes that you really realize how clever mm. it is and how well, he said like it didn't even get mentioned until the official guide came out, which was like yeah, a year right. later. Uh, so they didn't even mention right. it when it came out. And you think like lesser developers, developers who were less com- who were less confident in their games than Capcom were then, because that was sort of like the height the, the height of Capcom's powers. Um, would have that would have been in the that would have been one of the bullet points yeah. on the back you of can, the box. I can almost imagine yeah. now, especially the way we've got wall to wall coverage. You would have on e th- at E three stage somebody showing here it is if you've come to this scene not playing well and then they'd play it and then a separate scene they'd play and here it is playing if you're being a pro like they would very mm-hmm. distinctly signpost how this dynamic difficulty setting works whereas yeah like you're saying they didn't even mention it let alone like bullet point it or anything or show it off and I think that's what makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, that in hindsight like makes it more impressive I guess yeah yeah I mean, and it, it definitely makes the game feel incredibly yeah. well balanced throughout you definitely feel that constant Mostly. struggle of like like we said you never you never entirely run out of bullets and that's probably because of this system working but you'll often find yourself mm. in a position where you're without your preferred weapon so then mm. it's like oh crap now I've got to use the rifle I don't really like using mm. the rifle it's not it takes a long time to reload it's not as good at close quarters but then so then you'll kind of have to muddle through a few, a few rooms with just that and then it'll provide you with everything else you need like all the other bullets and stuff um, or I often found as well once my case was getting full I'd find myself getting a lot more money so I could because the cases the case upgrades are one of the more uh, expensive things to buy um, oh, right. hmm. So I kind of found that might not be one, but that's just something I noticed that every time hmm. I kind of got full, they started giving me less inventory items and more money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those things where you notice, particularly the village where you'd be mobbed, but certain villagers would stand back a bit. Yeah, you know, so you'd only be maybe getting attacked by two or three, rather than five or six. Which certainly helps you in that first. I'm sure everybody yeah. dies in that first village area because you're trying to sneak around. All it takes mm. is one villager to see you, and like we've said, they start yelling. You die mm. a few times there, they'll start mm. yelling, but then not as many come in the end. You end up only fighting like three mm. rather than like five mm. or six that are there or thereabouts. Yeah, it's mm. really clever, and I'm struggling to think of another game that does it in quite this way, to be honest. Mm. But. 
Maybe they just don't advertise it. Maybe it's just one of those yeah, hidden things could be, in could various other, games. Yeah, it could be other games that people just haven't realised it on yet. Mm. Sure. So we're looking now at the legacy. This is that would say that this top of the show is considered to be one of the best games of all time. Now, as a crew, do we think it holds? But like, does it deserve it? Does it deserve that title as one of the best games? Stuart, what do you think? From what I played of it and what have you, I would say that even now, um, over a decade later, it still holds up really well. Certainly, um, okay, the GameCube one is starting to show its age and what have you, but for the HD version, basically just being a textures and sort of graphics overhaul, with the the rest of the game basically staying as was, it still holds up really, really well mm. and uh, still plays very well. The controls are maybe not quite as intuitive as you would hope. Um, certainly for myself, I was just um, I was playing on a Steam controller and what have you, so I would have expected like the run buttons or something to be on the shoulder um, or something like that. But that's a minor quibble. It still holds up. Hmm. About Mark, what do you about you? Uh, yeah, I'd say absolutely. I mean, um, I haven't played the HD version. I haven't played it in a, in a long time. Uh, looking at screenshots of the old GameCube version and the PSD version, graphically it doesn't hold up now. But you know, the game's like nearly well, it's eleven, nearly twelve years old now. Um, but in terms of the mechanics and the way that the game's put together uh, and the adaptive difficulty and, only th- and and things like that, it I'd say it absolutely stands up and like it. I mean, it's it speaks volumes to the game that it's been so heavily influential on uh, games that have come since it. And we mentioned a few other games that have borrowed quite heavily from sections of it. And I'd say that uh, the first half of Bloodborne owes its existence <laughs> to Resident Evil 4 before it gets into the sort of um, really Cthulhu-esque section of that game in the second half. The entire first section is is just really, really obviously heavily influenced by Resident Evil 4. Um, it's, it's, it's... I mean, that, that was the game that... That was the pinnacle of the Resident Evil series. I think most people would agree with that. Uh, Capcom spent their time with the subsequent mm. releases trying to recapture the magic that they had with Resident Evil 4 and not making it 5 and 6 are not well regarded um, I don't know what the critical reception was for Revelations and now they've changed tact completely by the looks of it with Resident Evil 7 um, uh, and I mean it it changed the landscape of like third person shooters on console completely like a series like Gears of War probably owe oh. quite a lot to it, um, and also other survival horror games. Like I don't think Dead Space would exist if not for this game. True. Yeah, mm. Batman as well. Yeah, I um, actually have the list that um, Edge published a couple of years ago, and um, which is their top 100 games, sort of of mm. all time. And Resident Evil 4 is sitting at number nine in that list. Hmm. Yeah, can't no. really argue with that. To be honest, it is. It's like a, it's a gaming milestone. And Adam, what? I definitely think it stands up um, to this day. I think there's a lot of innovations and stuff. Once you get over the kind of shock of the controls, kind of, you realise that beneath it, the game still definitely holds up. It kind. Of, I know we've talked a little, like Mark just said about 
how the series has gone on and stuff. It kind of it almost killed the survival horror as it was. Mm. It's kind of upped the ante and with this like more action focus and kind of destroyed just pure survival horror, which seems less and less of like even today. Um, well, in, in definitely yeah, third person. For sure, yes. Yeah, we yeah. definitely like we've got a rise of like the shorter first person horror games, like where you like mm. the unarmed horror genre, I guess. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's still a fantastic game. It's the best in the series easily, and arguably as much as there's been all these pretenders to this that type of like action survival game, there hasn't been anything even come close, even by. The developers themselves who worked on this game, like particular people, like they went on to do mm. like the evil within and stuff. It's not a patch on this. It's mm. not even close. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think anybody that's like listening to this or is thinking of picking it up today, I would say definitely go for it. It's definitely stood up. Its legacy is still there to be seen, um, and you won't find anything mm. better. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think it's a powerful pioneering game. You know, it. it it's one of those pivotal moments in video game history where these all ideas came into one one game and the pace it gives you, the change of settings, the change of gameplay, so you go from shoot 'em up to an escort, the enemies that um, develop, you know, there's a natural progression to them. Nothing feels totally OTT or where did that bad guy get that from you know it, it does feel natural as you go from the village where they've got basic primitive weapons to the castle and the church where the cultists have got a bit more advanced um, mm. the monsters as such feel restrained as um, unlike where in 5 and 6 and even Revelations where it just I don't know it, it seems you've got over designs with over designed things it's just it's, it seems to have gone crazy um, I still love the original 3 um, I st- probably if I'm going to be put my heart of hearts I probably love 2 more than 4 but 4 is to many the best but where it leads to at least a five and six, which I think Capcom looked at four and then thought they had a good formula here and then just overcooked it with five yeah, and six. Took mm. the wrong parts that made yeah. four good, kind of. Yeah. Apart from the yeah, apart from the facility, you, you might you can argue for or against it. We're probably saying that wasn't needed, and you take that jet ski ending and you add it, you probably got one of we got almost like a perfect game as it is mm. I'd highly recommend to any gamer lapsed um, yeah. or whatever game whatever system um, whether it's Gamecube or PS2 or PS3 or PS4 or Xbox One or 360 PC and mm. you will have an outstanding time for best part of 16 hours yeah it definitely does have its faults the ending outstays its welcome but it it captured lightning in a bottle in in a way that games rarely do. I mean, this this belongs in the same sort of tier as games like Half Life. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so it's one. We have one listener comment, um, and that is from Mike at Test Tube Twenty Seven. 
and he says the village opening is still one of the coolest starts to a game ah chainsaw (laughs) (laughs) it is an incredibly memorable opening to a game more more memorable I'd say than the opening to I can't really remember the openings to many of the other Resident Evil games to be honest Apart from Ooh, the first one, maybe. Yeah, for the mansion, yeah, with the dogs chasing you. Yeah. 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 I think it's a perfect introduction to all the new things they introduced. Mm. So it does set you up nice for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, so, contact details. How to contact us? Um, you can send us questions, suggestions, new segments you'd like us to start doing, and what we're already doing that you'd like or don't like, or anything for us. To read out on the show through to our email, which is lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. You can see our blog, um, lapsgamer.com. Um, I did actually post a, a review of the UK Games Expo, which I had written back in June, <laughs> fully enough. But, but because <laughs> of moving house and just being really busy, I only got typed up. So that's been posted. Um, you can see us at followers on our Laps Gamer Twitter feed at Laps Gamer. Uh, you can like our Laps Gamer Radio Facebook page or add yourself to the LGR Community Facebook group. Um, you can find all our podcast episodes as you have found this one on Podbean or iTunes. So I'd like to say thanks for listening and goodbye. And please remember, do not have nightmares this Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>